this is Philip Schoenfeld, and today I'm talking with Jeffrey Lee, attending gastroenterologist and research scientist at Kaiser Permanente San Francisco Medical Center. We'll be discussing his review of a recent Annals of Internal Medicine article, which was entitled Recurrence of Colorectal Neoplastic Polyps After Incomplete Resection. Now, this is a follow-up to what was entitled the CARE study, looking at incomplete polyp resection. And Dr. Lee's summary in evidence-based GI is entitled Increased Risk of Metachronous Neoplasia After Incomplete Polyp Resection, Time to Care About Polypectomy Technique. So, Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. And, and why don't you tell us a little bit about why this topic is so important? Thanks, Phil, um, for having me uh, uh, at this uh, another session of a podcast. So um, to answer your question, why is this important? Um, as you know, and many of our colleagues know, the prevalence of post-colonoscopy colorectal cancer is estimated about uh, 8% in the literature. And given this alarming statistic, gastroenterologists have explored potential factors, particularly modifiable ones, that may contribute to this devastating diagnosis. Although missed lesions are an important driver of post-colonoscopy colorectal cancer, others have speculated whether the quality of resection may also be a driver of this diagnosis. We know that recent studies have suggested that the quality of resection is variable across experienced gastroenterologists, However, few studies have actually directly assessed the impact of incomplete polyp resection on recurrent neoplasia. And in order to assess that, these authors looked at a cohort of patients who had been in the original CARE study, the complete adenoma resection study. I think it might be helpful for our audience to, to hear a quick review of that study before we talk about the current study. I agree. Yeah, happy to share a little about the CARE study. Um, so the CARE study um, was published also in the Annals of Internal Medicine several years back, and it was measuring the rate of incomplete resection in patients having routine polypectomy of polyps 5 to 20 millimeters in size that were actually non-pedunculated. And so what they used was, uh, how they did this was they allowed the endoscopist to resect the polyp using standard polypectomy techniques. And once the endoscopist felt that the lesion was completely resected visually, biopsies were taken at the edge of the polypectomy defect to measure um, incomplete resection rate. And so they enrolled about 233 patients from this study and they were able to measure the rate of incomplete resection in that uh, cohort of, uh, of um, 233 patients. Okay, and I believe that the incomplete resection rate was about 8% and it was higher if you had adenomas that were uh, 10 to 20 millimeters in size. It was significantly higher if it was a serrated polyp. Um, and 
that especially for those serrated polyps, the risk of having an incomplete resection was actually 30% um, versus only about 7% for uh, uh, small adenomas. Um, so what did they actually do in the current study? Yeah, um, so the authors tried to answer uh, this fundamental research question, which is, does incomplete polyp resection increase your future risk of developing metacarous neoplasia? And so to answer this question, the author used um, this cohort of individuals from the CARE study using an observational study design of a participants who actually participated in the CARE study uh, from two academic medical centers, the Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center, uh, which is based in New Hampshire, and the VA Medical Center at White River Junction, Vermont. And so they had 166 patients from the original care study uh, that had a follow-up surveillance colonoscopy uh, after complete or incomplete resection of their non-pedunculated polyp, uh, which was around 5 to 20 millimeters in size. And their exposure of interest was whether um, there was a complete or incomplete resection of that polyp. And how they define incomplete, incomplete or incomplete resection was this. So incomplete resection was defined as the presence of neoplastic tissue on the biopsy forceps uh, that was submitted after that complete resection, visual complete resection of that polyp. And if there was any presence of neoplastic tissue in any of the marginal biopsies that were taken from that polypectomy site, that was deemed an incomplete resection. Now, complete resection was defined as the absence of neoplastic tissue in any of the marginal biopsies taken after complete resection um, of the polyp visually. And so that was the way it was defined for the original care study. And if there had been an incomplete resection, the patients were told to come back for a surveillance colonoscopy at one year if all of the adenomas had been completely resected, then they were told to come back for a surveillance colonoscopy per standard guideline recommendations. Is that, that correct? Is, that is correct. Okay, got it. So what did they find? So yeah, what they found was that um, metachronous neoplasia was more frequently detected in patients who had incomplete polyp resection compared to those with complete polyp resection. Uh, this was about 52% versus 23% respectively. And the risk difference was about 28% according to the study. And this was statistically significant with a p-value of 0.04. In addition, metachronous advanced neoplasia was more frequently detected in patients with incomplete resection compared to those with complete polyp resection. Um, so that was 18% versus 3% res respectively with a risk difference of 15%. And this was also statistically significant with a p-value of 0.034. After accounting for all confounders and adjusting for any in their multivariate model, incomplete resection was the strongest independent factor associated with metachronous neoplasia. And so the authors concluded that their study is one of the first studies to strongly support the hypothesis that residual neoplasia from incompletely removed polyps is likely a contributor to neoplasia recurrence and by extension, interval colorectal cancer or post-colonoscopy colorectal cancer. 
And this study highlights the critical importance of polyp resection technique and efforts to improve colonoscopy quality. You know, I, I think this point is just so crucial. It's really identifying that incomplete polyp resection makes it much more likely you're going to find a recurrent adenoma or even a recurrent advanced adenoma in the same section of the colon on surveillance colonoscopy. And I do want to just pause for a moment to discuss metachronous neoplasia in, in plain language. Um, for this study, it's essentially saying that if you're looking at the right side of the colon and there had been a incomplete polyp resection in the right side of the colon on the original colonoscopy, 52% chance that you were going to have a, another neoplasia there in the right side of the colon. Whereas if there had been complete polyp resection in that uh, right side of the colon, then the chances of having, or I should say, or not having any adenoma at all, then the chances of seeing a new adenoma in that area was about 23%. Is That's paraphrasing a little bit, but is that about right, Jeff? And yeah, that's, yeah. agree. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very, um, you know, kind of simple, simple way of, of uh, describing what a metachronous neoplasia, it's a, it's, a, it's a word that we don't commonly like to use in our everyday uh, conversation with our patients, but that's essentially right um, and great way to simplify uh, that message too. So what are the limitations, would you say, of this really important study that, dem that clearly demonstrates frequent metachronous neoplasia when there's been incomplete polyp resection. Um, what kind of limitations are here? Yeah, limitations for this study, um, you know, it was small in size. I mean, there were only about 32 patients that had an incomplete resection um, uh, from the original care study uh, compared to about 134 patients that had a complete uh, polyp resection. So it was pretty small in size. Um, the other limitation was uh, selection bias potentially due to incomplete follow-up of all patients who had incomplete polyp resection. So not every patient from the original care study uh, had a follow-up uh, colonoscopy. Um, and if they did this, they would have been included in this study, but unfortunately not all uh, 260, 233 members or participants in the original care study had a follow-up colonoscopy. Um, so in addition, patients with incomplete polyp resection may have been examined more thoroughly on surveillance colonoscopy compared to patients with a complete resection. And this may increase your chance of finding a polyp or even an advanced polyp on your subsequent colonoscopy. Okay. Now, you provided some great guidance in your summary in evidence-based GI about your approach to polypectomy. And I know that you're an expert in doing complicated polypectomy. Um, so why don't you discuss for the audience your approach 
to removing those five to 20 millimeter non-pedunculated polyps? Yeah, so how I approach um, removal of non-pedunculated polyps, uh, about five to 20 millimeters in size, according to this study is what they focused on. You know, that varies based on the pathology, which I typically diagnose optically and by size. And so for all polyps, regardless of its size, I first start with a careful inspection to op optically diagnose the lesion and look for any concerning features of deep submucosal invasion. So once I've made that decision that this polyp can be resected and has no visual appearance of any deep submucosal invasion, I ensure that the lesion is at the five or six o'clock position so that I can have the optimal positioning and accurate placement for my instruments. It's kind of my kill zone. For serrated polyps or specifically sessile serrated lesions um, and even conventional adenomas, for example, the tubular adenomas that are less than 10 millimeters in size, I typically like to use a dedicated cold snare. Um, this will include like the Boston Scientific Captivated Cold Snare or even the Steris Exacto Cold Snare. Uh, for its removal. And we know that multiple randomized trials have shown that cold snare polypectomy is superior in terms of complete resection rates compared to cold forceps polypectomy for lesions less than 10 millimeters in size. So to help ensure complete resection, I like to take a rim of normal tissue when I remove these polyps, which will occasionally give a sunny side up approach appearance of the resected lesion. So for serrated polyps and conventional adenomas, adenomas that are about 10 to 20 millimeters in size, I typically like to use either a conventional or even underwater uh, endoscopic mucosal resection or EMR technique to remove these lesions. For both the conventional and even the underwater EMR techniques, I prefer to use a 15 to 20 millimeter stiff snare. Uh, for example, you can use the Boston Scientific Captivator 2 or even the Olympus Snare Master is what I like to use too. And a cutting current with a microprocessor controlled current delivery. So for con conventional EMRs, I often use a lifting agent. Um, uh, my unit likes to use a head of starch mixed with a contrast agent such as indigo carmine or methylene blue. And we use that to help delineate the borders and reduce the risk of perforation or even thermal injury. So like polyps less than 10 millimeters in size, um, I strive to resect the medium, these medium-sized polyps that are 10 to 20 millimeters in size using an on-block approach. And I like to capture a rim of normal tissue too to ensure complete resection. Although there's limited evidence on the best approach to remove these medium-sized polyps, one general rule is to avoid using cold forceps to piecemeal these lesions due to, due to the risk of leaving residual neoplastic tissue. Um, and that's, and that last part is something that we've discussed before in terms of how we train our GI fellows. Um, I certainly emphasize to my GI fellows that they should limit the use of biopsy forceps to the removal of, uh, diminutive polyps, specifically polyps that are only one or two millimeters in size and that they should focus on doing cold snare polypectomy where they try hard to get a rim of normal tissue 
for polyps that are three millimeters or greater in size. That's correct. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, you know, try to achieve that sunny side up uh, visualization uh, that ensures that you, you are getting a healthy rim of normal tissue at the edge. Right. I, I think that idea of getting a healthy of a, a rim of normal tissue at the edge of your polypectomy site is such an important one. And I'd encourage our audience members to take a look at the written summary. And we're trying to have an image of a sunny side up polypectomy site to really emphasize this point. Any other areas for future research that you think need to be emphasized? Great question, Phil. I mean, it's hard to measure or to come up with a quality indicator for polypectomy rate or incomplete polypectomy rate for a quality indicator perspective, but more data is definitely needed to determine the impact of improved polypectomy technique on the risk of post-colonoscopy colorectal cancer or even interval cancers. In addition, uh, more research is also needed to develop and evaluate polypectomy training tools during and following GI fellowship. And I know that there's a lot of work that's being done in this field, and I look forward to uh, the results from many of these studies that are really highlighting, you know, polypectomy training during fellowship and its impact on incomplete resection rate. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for talking with us today and, and for providing such a great summary of this important research. Thank you, Phil, for having me again. Thank you.